0: It's your boy Bama RLG here with Team Todd. Talk. Got our good friend on the line once again, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Stephen, what's up, brother? What you got going on?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. Just just, uh, just, just getting ready for, for today. Another uh, you know, awesome show of In My Own Words. It's a DS Wednesday, and we're going to be bringing this to everybody uh, tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, from Tuscaloosa on YouTube. So we're, I'm excited about tonight. Awesome. Want you uh, give everybody a
0: little preview of what you got going on tonight? What are you going to talk about? Diving into on in my own words later this evening.
1: Well, absolutely. Well, first off, we're going to discuss uh, Cole Kubelik of uh, you know ESPN and also uh, one third of a three man front show off of WJOX Jocks 94.5 in Birmingham. I remember he dropped a graphic of Alabama being number one on his top five list of, uh, of offensive lines in the country and just going over you know, how important it is for this group to you know, capture the Joe Moore Award, but more on top of that, try to match or go above and beyond with the twenty twelve offensive line did as you know, Alabama fans out there, then look at that twenty twelve line as the best to ever do it in the Nick Saban era. But this twenty twenty groups got a lot of talent coming back, including three, you know, former five star athletes out of high school. So that's gonna be awesome to look at. We're gonna have former you no, know, Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell back on again on today. And we're going to have a fun discussion of just comparing the running backs on this roster to who do these guys remind us of when you talk current players in the National Football League. And then last but not least, uh, I'm going to discuss the coaching staff and why this particular staff potentially is the one that will linger with Coach Saban for the long haul. Sounds good, man, and,
0: uh, you know, if you don't mind, we'll discuss just a couple of those things here quickly. won't get into too much detail, but you're talking about the offensive line. I'm expecting, like Cole and everybody else, this unit to be lights out this season. Steven, real quick here, give me your five guys, best five for this season on Alabama's offensive line.
1: I've, I've I've meditated this for the longest time, but I think I've got the five from left to right now. I think it will be Alex Netherwood at left tackle. Uh, give me Emil Ikior Jr. at left guard. Give me uh, uh, Landon Dickerson at center, of course. Uh, Deontay Brown at right guard. And Evan Neal, big Evan Neal at right tackle.
0: Mm, that's a big, strong offensive line. And we all know a couple of those guys had bad intentions every time the ball snapped, Dickerson being one of those. So you think that this is the year that we see Evan Neal take his natural position out at tackle?
1: I think it is. And and he he and Alex Netherwood come in with the same story. Uh, Both five-star guys from the state of Florida. Netherwood came in 2017, and he saw there were already two guys at both tackle positions with with the likes of Jonah Williams at left tackle and Matt Walmack at right tackle. So Netherwood comes in. He plays a guard position just to be one of those spots where he comes in, and um, he kind of learns – their positions in, in practice, and then when Jonah Williams got hurt in the title game, he goes in there, you know, plays left tackle to help out Jonah Williams, but 2018, no matter what, took that guard role, and so this past year, he finally got his opportunity at left tackle and really did an outstanding job, and so Evan Neal comes in, kind of the same story. He already sees the both tackle positions filled up. You know, he plays a guard role just to get his feet wet and did a phenomenal job last year at that spot. Just seeing how he was an All-American from uh, uh, the Football Writers Association, from ESPN, from USA Today, made the uh, All-SEC freshman team as well. So this year, you see where Jedrick Wills off to the NFL, uh, Evan Neal sees there's an open vacancy at one of those offensive tackle spots, and he's looking to take that position at right tackle for this season. I think Coach Flood
0: has done an outstanding job thus far with this offensive line. You know, there were times early on last season, I remember sitting inside the Mercedes-Benz Georgia Dome and thinking to myself, questioning Coach Flood and his decisions, hoping that he would go ahead and, and just let Evan Neal be the guy there at guard and get that thing rolling where they could all gel together. But the longer he's in Tuscaloosa, the more I see him, not only in a, from a coaching standpoint, but recruiting as well, Seems like he's a guy that kind of checks all the boxes as far as an assistant under Nick Saban goes. And I'm really excited about seeing what he can do with this year's unit, no doubt about it. I mean, he
1: he was the right guy for this job, Ricky. And for a lot of assistant coaches, it's just sort of feeling your way out. I know a lot of Alabama fans in the game against Duke and a couple of games down the stretch before you got to the meat of the schedule – we're kind of looking at Coach Flood, like, what are you doing? You got this big 6'7", 360-pound man-child, you know, on the sideline. Put him out there and let's see what he can do. Like, this is a five-star. And I'm pretty sure it was all a part of Flood's plan to have Neil out there. But just like for players, you kind of have to feel your way through. With coaches, you have to feel your way through because coaching under Nick Saban, it's not the easiest thing to do. So He prepares those guys. he works with those guys coach Saban demands a lot from you and when you don't give coach Saban what he wants you know the repercussions of that you're going to get those butt chewings you're going to see the headset being broken in your direction you are going to get all the fire that Nick Saban is putting out there so just like players have to be eased in at times coaches have to be eased in as well
0: that's a pretty good uh Good assessment of that, Steven. I was just kind of chuckling, thinking to myself, I wonder how many headsets have been destroyed by Coach Nick Saban since he came to Alabama.
1: I would have to go – I would have to put the over-under so far at 50. <laughs> over, oh, 50 oh, headsets. Oh, oh, I mean, over-under at 50, but, 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 but he does it because this is somebody, Ricky, that you, you know as well as I do. Coach Saban is very passionate about the game of college football. No he has doubt. said it on so many accounts. He he doesn't want to lead the game because he he he's never had that feeling of not being part of a team, and he doesn't want to ever you know have that feeling. And uh, you know, for a while now, I've kind of wondered, you know, what has kept the motivation. You know, on the side of Coach Saban, it hasn't been the players, has it been the coaching staff. You know, has it been the fans. And though those three aspects have played a role, to me, I think national media. And though Coach Saban may never admit to this, I don't expect them to. I don't think national media will ever admit to this. But I believe national media has played a big role in a lot of this motivation. For Coach Saban, just going back to 07, you know, when he first got in here, the thought process was, you know, Alabama's too far gone. It's down in the dumps. You know, it's been long removed from the championship pedigree but it once had. It's going to take Coach Saban six years to get this done. And Nick Saban takes the naysay. He wins the first championship in half the time. And then 20, you know, 15. You're coming off of two years where you didn't win. And the conversation becomes, Saban's lost the juice, man. He's lost his step. You know, he hasn't won in in two years. That's a long time. And then, you know, the good buddy Dan Woken puts his article out there after the loss to Ole Miss saying, yes, this run of championships is definitely over. And then we have the iconic Saban press. Of course, I was there where Saban goes. If it was up to y'all we would be six feet buried and gone, just, just gone on the face of the earth. And Coach Saban takes that and wins a national championship off that. And then the uh, the situation turns from you know, championships to recruiting. It's you no know, Saban doesn't vibe with these young kids the way a Davos Sweeney does or a Ryan Day at Ohio State does or a Kirby Smart does or any of these hot young shot coaches do. But Saban takes that and goes, okay, I will go and hit the Cupid Shuffle in every recruit's house. I'll hit the electric slide in every recruit's house. You know, I'll cut the two-step in every recruit's house, and I'll have Miss Terry right there with me making sure the mamas are good, making sure those cookies are freshly baked, and we'll still show y'all how we can buy it, you know, with these young athletes. And because of that, the 2019 class was solid class. The 2020 class was top-notch. 2021, You know, it's starting to catch some heat here, and you know it's going back to now. Will Kenny win the championships because the window's closed and the opportunity is running out? Every time there's been a challenge issued out by national media, Coach Saban has met that challenge and has dominated that challenge.
0: You would think that after hearing this same rhetoric from the national media, just like you were talking about earlier, back to 2015, everything's over. The dynasty's dead. We're hearing those same things again, and once again, I'm sitting back looking like, man, y'all y'all ain't learned yet, have you? Nick Saban is getting ready for 2020 to run through college football again, and I believe that with all my heart. I just don't think the country knows, outside of those that follow Alabama closely, just how big this season's going to be for Alabama.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be huge just due to – Saban sees the potential here of the three-peat that eludes and evades everybody in college football. USC had a shot to do it with Pete Carroll. 2003 and 04, they got it done. 2005, unfortunately, they ran into Vince Young in Texas. I mean, Alabama had a shot to do it with A.J. McCarron. 2011 and 2012, it got it done. 2013, a you know a, a, a unfortunate kick six happened against Auburn. But this time around... You know, Nick Saban sees it dead on here. I got a shot, a base of 3 P. I've got the coaching staff that's committed. I mean, we, and we've seen the commitment of the staff, Ricky. I mean, we, we, we remember how after the end of last season, uh, Dave Aranda took the coaching job, the head job at Baylor, and one of the first guys he called was Carl Scott. And Carl Scott turned it down. To remain in Alabama. I mean, we remember how Steve Sarkeesian had all first, you know, after last year, he decides to take the pay increase in Alabama to remain with the Crimson Tide. After the 2018 season, you had a lot of people going after uh, Pete Golding. Pete Golding turns it down to remain in Alabama. Then you add a Charlie Strong, you add a Freddie Roach, you keep a Sal Sinceri who's matured, he's not looking to go anywhere. You keep a um, uh, Jeff Banks, who's been an unbelievable recruiter. You've kept a lot of these guys to keep the cohesion, the continuity of the staff. And with Saban understanding, I got a group of guys here that is ready you know, for this long haul, along with the guys on the roster in terms of players. You've got a complete mixture of experience and young, fiery, hungry talent. Saban understands that. We can get this national championship year one this year with Mac Jones at quarterback and the pieces he has around him. But on top of that, you hit on the 2021 and the 2022 recruiting classes with a Bryce Young or Paul Tyson at quarterback, the possibilities of getting this three-peat are endless right now.
0: It's very real right now, Stephen. And that's, uh, you know the perfect storyline for what I've been calling chapter three of the Saban dynasty is a three P what better for chapter three than a three i I'm looking right now. Funny. You mentioned winning this year's championship with Mac Jones jotted down some numbers here real quick. Something that I saw online earlier this morning. That was very interesting. Mac Jones last season averaged 48.5 points per game, 19.55 points above what the opposing defenses were averaging. Um, And Tua now take into account that this does include games like against Tennessee, where Tua may not have been 100 percent, averaged 46.7 points per game, which is, you know, almost two points less per game than what Mack uh, got and 19.6 above what opposing defenses were averaging. So. There really was no drop between Tua and Mac. And it's unbelievable. You hear people talk about Mac Jones and the disrespect that he gets. You're thinking, man, he must be nowhere near close to capable what Tua was. But numbers don't lie. I'm sitting here looking at him. Mac Jones, I believe, is going to get the job done this year.
1: And and, and even more so, bigger than that, Ricky, because I've been crunching some numbers myself here. Mac Jones started in four games you know, this past season, but I take Western Carolina out because that's a gimme game. So mm-hmm. I would just use Arkansas, Auburn, and Michigan for right now. There were so many other quarterbacks that started in more games, uh, played in more games than Jones did. If you throw out here, not only Tua, but you look at Joe Burrow of LSU from last season, you look at Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, that six quarterbacks right there. You can even throw Jamie Newman in there if you want to, but that's just six to seven quarterbacks right there. Mac Jones, in the three games he started again against Arkansas, he had a QBR of 91.9. Against all against Auburn, a team that had the best defensive run in the SEC, probably one of the best in college football. We're staring at a QBR of 89.8, darn near 90. And against Michigan, a QBR of 95.3. Combining those three games, Mac Jones, an average QBR of 92.3. He was third in college football last year behind wow. Joe Burrow and Tua. He was third. And only started in three major games. His QBR was third in the SEC last year, behind just Joe Burrow, you know, and Tua. I mean, you look at Mac Jones's passer rating. He had a passer rating of 197.5, which was third in all of college football, behind Tua and Joe Burrow. It was third in the SEC in that same respect. I mean, here's a young man that completed in those three games combined 70.8% of his passes. That is un- that, that is incredible. You, look at, you have some NFL quarterbacks that are not hitting it at that clip. And then he was only sacked one time last year, which shows you the offensive line did a darn good job protecting this young man. So when you look at the numbers here of quarterbacks that started in way more games and guys that have played and way more games in the three major games that Mac Jones was in, where he saw bullets fly, where he saw a number of guys get drafted off those particular defenses that he went up against. He shredded those guys.
0: No doubt about it, man. Women lie, men lie, numbers don't lie.
1: Absolutely do not. And Mac Jones, a natural gunslinger, Mac Jones, a natural, you know, sort of thrower of. Football And now you give him a full year, a full year in the Sartesian West Coast style to where he's got a full offseason to absorb this. He's got a full offseason with the ones of, of Devonta Smith, of Jalen Waddle, of, of John Mechie, of, of, of Xavier Williams, Slade Bolden. The freshmen are in here now. Javon Baker is cutting up right now as a freshman. You give him a full you know, off season with, with the tight end group of Miller Forrestal, Jaleel Billingsley, um, uh, Major Tennyson, the young man also that Alabama pulled in from North Carolina, Carl Tucker, just a full offseason with this group. And then having a Bryce Young to even push Mac Jones even more, this guy is going to be a superstar in the upcoming season. And everybody is really turning a blind eye to it.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. You hear nothing really but negativity surrounding the name Mac Jones, and it's almost laughable at this point, looking at these numbers and talking to people, you know, in the know, guys like yourself and other guys close to the team. There's no doubt that Mac Jones is capable of leading this Alabama offense and not just leading the Alabama offense, but leading us to a national title. I've said it lately. Um, my expectation for this season is 15-0 SEC and national champions. Now, look, that may not happen. I get it. Those are lofty expectations, but I don't think for one minute that that amount of talent is not present in Tuscaloosa right now. The, the, the,
1: the amount of talent you know is present in Tuscaloosa. Offensively, it's right there. And, and then defensively, having the players back from injury is a big deal. But then also – the young guys that were forced into action last year, a full year of experience. They come back understanding this is what Alabama, this is what I can expect now. This is what I can expect of having Coach Saban coach me this way, having the position coaches coach me this way. Them being thrown out there into the fire like that, having a Shane Lee, having a Christian Harris, having a DJ Dale, having a Jordan battle, among others, thrown into the heat The way they were thrown into it this past season, now they know, okay, if I don't give my full effort, this is what happens we lose football games. When I don't have attention to detail and understand full-fledged what Nick Saban is trying to show me, I know the repercussions of it. We lose football games, and it's a domino effect that hurts the coaching staff, that hurts the players. That hurts the higher ups in terms of presidents, chancellors, ads, but most importantly, you know, it hurts our fans because our fans invest a lot into you know, Alabama football. So those guys understand now. You know, having that experience, being thrown to the fire, they're more so prepared you know, for the season.
0: No doubt about it. Steven, man, I really appreciate you getting with us today. You know I love chopping it up with you. Tell everybody how they can follow you on social media and let them know about that show coming up tonight with Matt Cadell once again before we wrap it up.
1: Oh, absolutely. The listeners can find me. up. Uh, first off, they can find me on Twitter at Coaching Smith uh, on Twitter. When I'm not you know, covering Alabama football, I take great joy in helping out the guys here. In the hometown and you know, with the high school football programs, so they can find me at Coaching M Smith on Twitter. You can find Touchdown Alabama Magazine on Twitter at TD Alabama Mag. Once again, that's at TD Alabama Mag. On Facebook, we are Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Uh, the website, touchdownalabama.com, where we are breaking down Crimson Tide football from every single angle known to mankind. Uh, in terms of the show tonight, uh, in my own words, uh, at 6 p.m. live from Tuscaloosa, um, the number to call in, definitely 205-448-1358. Definitely want to hear from all the fans out there, 205-448-1358 is the number to call in. We will be having Matt Cadell on, and we're just, we're just talking, breaking down, explaining Alabama football in ways to where fans have probably never heard it before.
0: Awesome, man. Really looking forward to checking that out myself. We'll have this podcast posted later on tonight here on TideTalkSports.com. Really excited about the new website. Team Tide Talk appreciates you, Stephen, and we'll get you on again soon, man. I really, really am glad we had time to get with you today and appreciate your insight and everything you brought.
1: I appreciate it, man. Hey, You guys take care. All
0: right. Roll Tide.